Good evening, and welcome to the Independent News Hour. Today it's going to be an Independent News Half Hour in New York. I'm John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's radical newspaper, now in its 21st year of publishing. Uh, we have a, 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 our show today is going to, of course, focus on the Derek Chauvin verdict uh, that just came in minutes ago, uh, guilty on all counts, second and, and third degree murder. Uh, it, that verdict in uh, Minneapolis was just uh, recently announced. And also uh, today I'm joined by my indie colleague, Julia Thomas. Thanks, John. It's great to hear, be, hear to be here with you and all our listeners on 99.5 FM and streaming on WBAI.org. Right. And uh, as we were saying, uh, the historic verdict came in uh, minutes ago in Minneapolis, where the 12-person jury found former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin uh, guilty in the murder of George Floyd uh, last May. This is a very rare uh, case of a police officer uh, being held fully accountable for their crimes. And uh, um, before we continue on, I think we're going to hear in a second from the judge in Minneapolis announcing the verdict. Members of the jury, I will now read the verdicts as they will appear in the permanent records of the 4th Judicial District. State of Minnesota, County of Hennepin, District Court, 4th Judicial District, State of Minnesota Plaintiff versus Derek Michael Chauvin, Defendant. Verdict, Count 1, Court File Number 27, CR 20-12646. We, the jury, in the above entitled matter as to Count 1, unintentional second-degree murder while committing a felony, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.44 p.m. Signed, Juror 4 Person, Juror Number 19. Same caption, verdict count two. We, the jury in the above entitled matter, as to count two, third-degree murder, perpetrating an eminently dangerous act, find the defendant guilty. This verdict agreed to this 20th day of April, 2021, at 1.45 p.m. Signed by Jury 4 Person, Juror Number 19. Okay, so that was the verdict from Minneapolis, uh, read by the judge uh, there in the courtroom. Uh, Julia, you've been following this story closely. Uh, What kind of reactions are we seeing so far to the verdict? Yeah, thanks, John. I mean, everyone has been waiting in so much anticipation. There's people, there's thousands of people, over a thousand people outside the courthouse in Minneapolis. And, you know, people have really been closely watching uh, this trial. And so finally hearing that, that Chauvin is guilty on all three counts, I think, is generating a lot of reaction, a lot of, I think, relief, but also a lot of, you know, talk about how this at the same time is not the solution to a systemic issue, which, which is that of racist policing. A tweet that I just came across um, one is from uh, Nick Estes, who's a historian and a host of the Red Nation podcast. Uh, Nick tweeted, a guilty verdict isn't the solution, but it did demonstrate how consciousness shifted around police terror because of tireless and relentless organizing in the streets. And also from 
Bree Newsom-Bass, who's a anti-racist activist, uh, she, you know, she, Bree, tweet, Bree Newsom-Bass tweeted, from the January 6th attack on the Capitol to the daily brutalization of civilians, U.S. police are the greatest threat to domestic peace. It's time to defund and abolish. Uh, Brie, Brie also tweeted, police have been the central figure in every major event of social unrest in this country in my lifetime. She tweeted that just minutes after the verdict was announced. And I think that very much reflects what we're seeing in anticipation of this announcement. You know, I'm here, I'm here in Brooklyn, New York, and outside my window, I could hear, even now I can hear the buzz of NYPD helicopters overhead in anticipation of the protests and potential, uh, you know, uprising in the event of an acquittal, which we didn't see in this case. But still, thousands of people are, you know, in the streets in Minneapolis and elsewhere. Um, and another tweet to that point uh, from a senior correspondent at Vox, Jam Jamil Smith, um, is on Twitter. Police are more urgently guarding against protests of their violent behavior, in part by perpetrating more of it on demonstrators, rather than working to end that violent behavior in the first place. This is why we need to be talking about why we need or even want police at all. So I think, you know, we're seeing a lot of reactions about how, you know, this needs to go beyond, um, you know, Derek Chauvin as a bad, um, as a bad apple and really just that this is a rotten system. Absolutely. And, and we were expecting to be joined uh, uh, today uh, by somebody who's uh, thought quite a lot about that system and, and, and how to try to uh, change it. And that's uh, Bob Ganji of the Police Reform Organizing Project. Um, I know you were in touch with Bob earlier today. I'm not sure if he's quite here with us yet. If, if not, we can uh, continue to talk a little bit more about uh, what, what has transpired in, in Minneapolis. Um, yeah, I mean, when you think back, I mean, we're uh, 11 months uh, removed from uh, the murder of G George Floyd and just the unbelievable uh, uprising it took to, um, you know, force this situation where uh, the, the you know, the Minneapolis uh, prosecutors, the, the court, and, and, and today the jurors, uh, you know, agreed that uh, Officer Chauvin, uh, you know, murdered George Floyd. We've seen so many cases where just the most uh, unbelievable excuses or, or pretexts are, are generated to, to protect uh, cops from being held accountable uh, for their uh, actions. So it's, you know, definitely a victory for the movements that demanded police accountability. It, and, you know, as you said, it doesn't uh, change the underlying problem of racist policing or, you know, e even if, uh, Things like prisons are the ultimate solution, either even for uh, someone who's done something as terrible as uh, Derek Chauvin has done. Um, but definitely, uh, I, I think it's what uh, it Jamil Smith was saying, th there is a change of consciousness. And, and one of the things that I thought was remarkable about uh, watching that trial unfold was on several occasions you had uh, active duty police officers testifying against Derek Chauvin, including the police chief uh, in Minneapolis and, uh, you know, seeing uh, a f at least a few cracks in that blue wall of silence that always uh, goes up around, a, 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 you know, a violent cop and, and, the, and the shield, the shielding that they receive from their 
their brothers and sisters in the police force. So that was, a, I think, a big breakthrough as well. Um, so, again, I just want to try and see if we can get uh, Bob Ganji uh, to join us. We'd love to hear from him. He's been working on these issues uh, for many years. Yes, we're uh, getting Bob on, on the line now. He's uh, calling in, but just uh, having some technical difficulties, but should be with us in just a couple minutes. Um, okay. Yeah, Bob, Bob um, John, I, I know, as you know, is a longtime advocate for ending abusive policing, uh, police tactics here in New York, and he's the executive director of um, of PROP. Right. And... Uh... Um, I, I don't want to give away all of. Uh, okay, I, I, I see. I think uh, uh, Bob's uh, trying to join us now. Uh, uh, Bob, are are you there? I hear you. <laughs> Great. Okay. Um, yes, this is uh, John Tarleton with the uh, Independent, and along with uh, with uh, Julia Thomas. Uh, we welcome you to the show and welcome you to back to WBAI Radio. Well, uh, thanks for having me. Uh... Momentous moment. Uh, you, you, your guys' timing was perfect. You knew the verdict was going to be announced 15 minutes ago? Uh, we, we, we'd heard rumors, so we wanted to be ready. Um, uh, so, uh, uh, so first of all, uh, before we talk about some of the underlying issues that this trial raised, uh, y- your reaction to the guilty verdict and, and, and what it means? Um, I'm not sure it means very much from the standpoint of the systemic change that needs to happen for there um, for there to be an end of starkly racially biased and abusive policing. Uh, the having said that, it is there's no question the a feeling of relief uh, that I have, and my guess is a lot of people have. Um, uh, I've been listening to. Uh, NPR report on it, and my wife Barbara said, you know, she just feels such relief now. Um, But again, I don't think it's how to put this. I'm I'm very reluctant as an advocate for the kind of institutional change that's needed to end abusive policing and end racist policing. It's hard to uh, be, uh, from my standpoint, to be very celebratory. Um, The the, the prosecutor um, even said the, the police aren't on trial here, just this one man is on trial. Um, and our view is that police should be on trial. Um, uh, Chauvin, um, if you understand his history, he was on the police force for 19 years. There are 18 complaints against him. It was really well known from accounts that I've read that he was aggressive um, and uh, reckless, at least at times when he was a police officer. And if the system uh, had done what it should have done, which was to uh, fire him from being a police officer, because he showed all too often that um, the way he handled the power that he had was to use it to abuse people. Um, so the fact that he was still on a police force in itself is an indictment of the system. Yeah, no, ab- absolutely, Bob. I uh, I also, you know, to that end, um, a lot of people have argued that, you know, 
while it's not the system of policing, it, in a sense, is bringing, you know, this, this, the, this case, uh, the killing, the murder of George Floyd has brought the system of policing, you know, under fire um, in the U.S. It sparked this global uprising across the U.S. and around the world. Um, but in this case, you know, it really, a lot of, many people have said that it's also the humanity of black and brown people in the U.S. that was on trial. And so I think, you know, when you're thinking about sort of um, what that will mean uh, and sort of the response that we're seeing in the streets of Minneapolis, um, your thoughts on kind of um, kind of the reverberating impacts and where this this movement uh, can go next. Yeah, the where the movement should go, <laughs> whether advocates like me and many, many, as you guys know, there's so many people now who are organizing and advocating for fundamental change, for what some people characterize as radical change, because that's the kind of change that needs to happen for there to be an end to abusive policing and uh, racist law enforcement practices. I mean, to, to, I, I know I'm going to be um, uh, uh, coming across as negative and cynical, but within the last, what, two or three weeks, there was a, a police killing of Dante Wright. Um, I think what, uh, from what I read, 10 miles away from uh, Minnesota and where the trial was being had, held, there was a police killing of, of a 13-year-old boy, Adam Toledo, in Chicago. We still don't even know the name of the officer who killed Toledo. Um, if you see the video, uh, I don't know if you guys have watched it. The video is so chilling and so shocking. The boy turns around. Some accounts say he had a gun. It's hard to know, but he certainly didn't have a gun when he turns around, puts his hand up, and a cop kills him literally within seconds because the account said he was dead when he hit the ground. And it, it does not appear we, the, the case is just unresolved. Uh, as I said, we don't know the name of the officer. Um, the mayor and other um, powers that be in Chicago tried to cover up what actually happened, um, saying that the boy had a gun and he uh, waved it in a threatening way at the police officer. We now know that's that was entirely untrue. So the um, the uh, and I'm just as I'm talking to you on on my computer, I just see a flash coming from the New York Daily News. And it says the system worked. <laughs> and we as advocates uh, who are promoting, again, fundamental reform and sweeping reform, can't let that be the narrative that the system worked. We should feel not only enormous relief, and I do feel enormous relief, um, but we should feel like a significant step has been taken toward changing policing. Um, I don't think that's true. Right. No, it would seem like the, if the system's working, it's working to uh, absolve itself and uh, right. uh, clean up its reputation a little bit. Right. Uh, and it was also interesting that police testified against Chauvin. And I, I think they made a institutional choice, which is very rare. Uh, uh, again, I'm sure, as you guys know, for police officers, either from the same police department or other police departments, to turn on a police officer who is on trial the way Chauvin was. I think they made a choice. We're cutting him loose. That that video um, uh, was so indefensible, and so his actions were so indefensible, and so 
and represented such a casual disregard for the life of George Floyd, we are going to um, disassociate ourselves from this man. Um, and we're going to make the case that this was an isolated example. As the prosecutor uh, said, it's not the cops on trial. It's just one police officer. Right. And, and, and can we, 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 we still have uh, six or seven minutes here. So uh, let's uh, maybe pivot to talking about the situation here in New York city. Uh, your, your assessment of where, th- where we stand with the NYPD these days and, and, and the kind of changes you feel like that police department needs. Right. The, the NYPD has made some superficial changes and de Blasio brags about the changes, brags about something called neighborhood policing, um, body cameras, um, uh, uh, training, uh, implicit bias training. Um, we, and the research backs us up, we don't think uh, also diversity. Uh, the, the NYPD may be the most diverse police force in terms of uh, 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 race and gender in the country. We don't think any of those changes are significant and translate into meaningful changes on the ground. We've seen um, really just disheartening evidence of how violent the the NYPD has responded to demonstrations in the street. Uh, the New York Times published 62 videos last summer of police engaging in excessive force and violating people's rights and, and physically harming people who were protesting uh, after the, the, the killing of George Floyd. Um, none of those police officers, maybe one or two got reprimanded or were sanctioned. Uh, the NYPD is a, still an unchecked power in the city. Um, and uh, the, I very much believe in the, the painful truth of the, Shibboleth we learned in grammar school, high school, power corrupts, absolute power corrupts, absolutely. So NYPD has absolute power, virtual absolute power, unchecked power, and it inevitably will lead to corruption and cruelty on the ground. And the practices that are now in, in, in um, uh, ascendancy within the NYPD, broken windows policing, which is a uh, a name for a certain kind of policing that target uh, what are called quality of life crimes. The quota system, the NYP denies it has a quota system because the, uh, it's actually against New York state law to have a quota system um, shaping how um, police perform. But we have a quota system in, um, uh, with the NYPD and a number of cops have uh, unsolicited <laughs> in conversations with me have told me about the quota system and the pressure on them to make arrests and give out summonses. And if they don't meet the quota, they will be penalized. Right. And, also, and, um, and Bob, I wanted so to ask you right think about the quota is it is not applied in prosperous white neighborhoods. It's applied mainly in poor neighborhoods of color. Right. And, and Bob, I, to, you know, to that end, in terms, when it comes to specific demands, uh, what do you think we should, you know, really be pushing for with the NYPD? And of course, thinking about all this in the context of, you know, just hearing the verdict, I'm thinking about the brutal response that we saw to the Black Lives Matter protests over the summer demanding justice for right. George Floyd. Right. The um, the specific changes uh, sh- basically should be aimed at 
the point I just made, significantly reducing the power, the funding, the resources, and the duties of the NYPD, significantly shrink the presence of the NYPD in our lives, in the lives of communities around the city, particularly in in the communities of low-income people of color. So it would mean reducing the budget, reducing the personnel, and, and reducing specific duties like decriminalizing sex work, disbanding the vice squad, taking the NYPD personnel out of the schools and return responsibility to public safety to educators, removing the police from homeless outreach, uh, removing the police from the emergency response system when calls come in about a person in psychiatric crisis in the community. Um, there have been far too many occasions when, where when the police show up, intentionally or not, their actions lead to physical harm for the person in psychiatric crisis and even death. Um, and it's our view and the view of, of a growing number of advocates and professionals that mental health professionals should respond to mental health crisis, not police officers. So there are very specific steps that uh, the city could take uh, to, um, again, significantly shrink the presence, shrink the power, and remove the police from many aspects of our life. And if, and of course, getting back to another point I, I made earlier, um, abandoning broken windows policing and abolishing the quota system. Um, a number of cops have told me that the quota, because of the quota system, they feel pressure to arrest people or give summonses to people that they would not ordinarily do if it wasn't for the quota system. And again, the quota system is applied mainly in precincts where uh, poor black and brown people live. Right. And Bob, we, we have about maybe 30, 40 more seconds here. Um, last question. Uh, you know, some activists uh, call for the uh, abolition of, of police and policing as we know it. Uh, do you think that's uh, possible, if not now, uh, in the future? Yeah, or is that, is... I am not. Uh, there's a, a pretty strong raging debate within PROP, the Police Reform Organizing Project, my organization. And some of our people are abolitionists and they support abolition. They, they're not thinking or calling for it to happen overnight, but that should be the aim. That should be the direction we're headed in. Um, that's, that's not my view, but at the same, I mean, not my view substantively, but at the same time, I appreciate the spirit of, uh, the, of the call for abolition. And it, it also gets to the point I was making um, that there are so many areas in our life where the police have responsibility um, to address problems and respond to problems that they should be removed from. So the, um, uh, and that's at least part of what abolition is about. We have other ways of handling some of the problems that we now call on the police to handle. Absolutely. Uh, including, I just mentioned the mental health arena and public school arena, homeless outreach, traffic enforcement. We don't need cops doing traffic enforcement. Why do you need a gun or a badge for, to stop somebody who's got a broken taillight? Um, right. Uh, sex work. So the, 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 but I think, and not everybody, we, we've, is, got, we've got 10 seconds. That there is a legitimate pers- purpose to policing to deal with um, uh, the kind of things you see police deal with in cop shows, you know, violent offenders, people who are harming other people in the community. Right. Uh, uh, and the, 
I wish they would show a television show where cops are forced to fill a quota system by arresting somebody who has two feet two feet up on a subway seat. Uh, but that's not. We're, we're going to have to let it go. Uh, but uh, Bob Ganji, thank you so much for joining us hey, on John, this. And, and Julia, thanks for having me. Uh, I, uh, I I feel it's very important that um, our voice and our views on these issues uh, get on the airwaves and get heard by the public. So thank you very much for having me. You bet. All right. Take care. All right. Thanks again uh, to Bob Ganji. Uh, head of the Police Reform Organizing Project here in New York City, joining us uh, today on the day of the Derek Chauvin verdict. In case you haven't heard, uh, former Minneapolis police officer Derek Chauvin found guilty on all counts uh, about an hour ago in Minneapolis on second and third degree murder. Uh, And we just uh, finished uh, talking again with Bob Ganji. And uh, we're going to have to let it go now on on our uh, um, abbreviated edition of the Independent uh, News Hour this week. I'm John Tarleton with Julia Thomas. Thanks to our producer, Amba Gagarian. Also, a uh, happy birthday to Indy's uh, Nicholas Powers and uh, Georgia Hirschfeld. And uh, we'll be back next week with a full one-hour show. And uh, if you want to support D- WBAI, you can give at uh, give to WBAI.org or phone number 212-209-2950. Goodbye.